0: You are listening to a message by Refuge Community Church. Refuge exists to glorify God by making disciples that shape their communities with the love of Jesus. What's up, Refuge family? This is Josh. Hey, I, uh, I want to say thank you so much for tuning in. Welcome. I, uh, I appreciate you spending your time, your morning, your evening, whenever you're streaming with us. Uh, obviously, this is all new and and we are, are working to provide a space where we can still still gather and, and, and kind of be fed together through the word. Uh, we're taking our our, our role as uh, in preventing the spread of coronavirus seriously. We want to do our part in loving our neighbor well in that, and so we're trying our best uh, to, to really do our part, and this is a huge part of that. And obviously, you know that you saw Chris and Savannah doing their thing at. At, uh, at their house and then uh, I'm doing my thing here at, at, at my house and so we're we're coming together and, and we're, we're doing our part but but yet the encouraging part of that is seeing that we still have a place to uh, come together and uh, sit under the word together, which is amazing. Maybe maybe even more than that or, or at least a part of that is how we're actually coming together to still see where God is leading us and what He's doing uh, in this community. We believe that God is leading us actively. Uh, and coronavirus, COVID hasn't stopped that. He's still leading us. Uh, he has led us up to this point to plant, um, to, to, to cultivate and grow, and then soon to launch Refuge Community Church. And he will continue uh, to lead us moving forward into the future. And so maybe one of the most beautiful things this time creates is a space where we're actually able to come together and still gain a sense of what God is doing and how he's leading us. And so, man, I'm excited about that. Thank you again for being here. To give you a little bit of insight uh, today, uh, we're going to start our first of four weeks talking about faith. Uh, when Sean and I got together, one of the big things we started thinking about is, hey, uh, man, what do we what do we talk about for the next few weeks? We weren't planning on uh, doing something right now. We have a series planned for launch, but we wanted to save that for then. Uh, and so what, what do we do? One of the things we talked about was just, act, honestly, faith and how faith is interacting And how faith should interact with all these dramatic changes that are going on uh, in our life right now. And so, yeah, we're going to spend some time talking about faith. Uh, Specifically today, what I'm going to be talking about is how faith interacts with hardships in our life. Uh, what's kind of unique about the scenario and what's going on right now is that we're kind of all experiencing almost what I would describe as like a corporate hardship. We're all in it together. And obviously, some of us are experiencing way different things than other people, right? Like some of it is much more severe and much more volatile uh, than, than for others. Uh, nonetheless, we are still all corporately experiencing an aspect of it together. Uh, which is something we don't really often experience as Americans, even as Christians in America. Yet it's something that, that really connects us back to the, the ancient church and what they experienced together. Uh, and so today we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about uh, suffering, really, and, and the, the, the role that, that faith plays in our hardships And so what I want to do is I want to go ahead and dive in because I want to be respectful of your time. I want to get in everything we need to get in. So I'm going to go ahead and dive in. We're going to be in Hebrews chapter 10. We're going to read verse 32 through 39. And what I want to do is I want to read that. Then I want to spend a second praying. And then we're going to spend the rest of the time kind of chopping it up through there. Okay. And so again, Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and read and then we'll, we'll pray after that. Remember the earlier days when after you had been enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. Sometimes you were publicly exposed to taunts and afflictions, and at other times you were companions of those who were treated that way. For you sympathized with the prisoners and accepted with joy the confiscation of your possessions because you know that you yourselves have a better and enduring possession. So don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward. For you need endurance so that after you have done God's will, you may receive uh, that what was promised. For yet in a very little while, the coming one will come and not delay. But my righteous one will live by faith. And if he draws back, I have no pleasure in him. But we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but those who have faith and are saved. Uh, Hey, will you spend a second wherever you are praying with me? Uh, over this word and over our time together. Uh, Father, thank you so much for your grace, for your word. Thank you that wherever we are, uh, you are leading us through your spirit at work in our hearts, um, through your word guiding our mind uh, and speaking to our hearts. Um, Father, right now I ask that you would make us soft ground, uh, that you would would use us uh, or you would allow us to receive from your word you would allow me to speak your word clearly and efficiently. Uh, God, And I ask that you would just bless this time. Clear me of anything that's myself and allow me to speak only what you would desire for us. And let us be edified to your glory and for our good. Uh, in Jesus' name, amen. All right, hey, family. Well, um, as you can tell, as I mentioned, we are in the book of Hebrews. Now, if you've not really worked through the book of Hebrews, man, I, I, I'm tempted to say just turn this off now and go read Hebrews. Don't do that. Don't do that, though. Uh, go ahead. And as soon as we're done here, though, uh, man, open up your Bible and work through Hebrews. It is an amazing book. Kind of, you know, let you know it could be a little hard to understand at times. So you might want to get a study Bible or a commentary or something like that to help you work through it. But I mean, get to it, man. Hebrews is an amazing book. Um, we don't really know the author of Hebrews. It's kind of one of the things that makes it intriguing. We don't know the author. Uh, What we do know is that the author is writing to a group of Hebrew Christians, but even then we don't know exactly where. Some people think in Jerusalem, other people think in Rome. Uh, Nonetheless, what we do know is that these Christians were experiencing hardship and uh, and kind of trials, right? They were, and in the midst of that hardship, they were actually being tempted to step away from the faith, to turn away from the faith and go back to uh, traditional Judaism, Now, to clarify, when I say faith, what I don't mean is like a set of of teachings or understandings. Those are important as a part of the Christian religion. But what I'm talking about is the attitude of our hearts to depend and trust Jesus. Uh, Knowledge is important for that. Knowledge gives us the the, the knowledge of God that helps us uh, trust him and and, and prove him trustworthy. Uh, But what we're talking about is a deep trust in Jesus And a deep dependence on Jesus. And it was in this context, what was going on is that these Hebrews were experiencing hardship and it was causing them to question whether they should trust Jesus anymore and just walk away from Jesus and turn back to traditional Judaism. And so that's what's going on. And that's the context that the author of Hebrews pens this letter to. But when he pens this letter, he sends them, knowing what's going on, a letter that pushes them and encourages them and empowers them to continue forward in the faith, to keep fighting the good fight. But he does it in this most amazing way. He doesn't do it in this way where he kind of just tells them to, to suck it up or to try harder. Rather... What he does is knowing the circumstances, knowing the situations, knowing their heart, knowing what's happening, he looks at them and pins them in an essay that highlights the beauty and the majesty and the power uh, and the divinity and just the awesomeness of Jesus and then encourages them that that person, Jesus, at the center of their lives, in addition to being at the center of uh, their trials, is the way they are to fruitfully and effectively navigate their way through their current suffering. Okay, now, that's amazing because so many of us, when we think about suffering, when we think about uh, trials, when we think about a hardship, what we oftentimes think is that suffering through it, powering through it, being tough. Sucking it up is oftentimes the way that we are are to most effectively, the most courageous way, the most uh, uh, powerful way that we can navigate through hardship. Yet, the author of Hebrews uh, writes and tells this audience no, the way that you are to actually navigate through hardships effectively is by taking your eyes off of yourself off of the circumstances, off of the leadership, off of of the vulnerability, off of everything that's happening here. And I want you to set your eyes on the person of Jesus in all of his glory and might and splendor. And so it's in this space that he tells them, hey, I'm writing you to let you know that that's the way you're to navigate through hardships. And what's cool is that as we get to chapter 10, we're kind of turning the corner to where now uh, the author of Hebrews is starting to give a bit of practicals on how we set that person of Jesus as the center of our lives and therefore place him at the center of our hardships. Uh, And so what I want to do from here is I want to go ahead and jump in and glean some of that wisdom and take some of those uh, suggestions, uh, chop through the text and take uh, a couple of really important and practical takeaways home uh, that that I believe the author of Hebrews is writing to them, but also writing to us. Uh, And so we're going to go ahead and start and uh, we're going to take a look again at chapter 10. Remember, we're in verse 32. And so thinking about um, the hardship, where they're at, their discouragement, their doubt, speaking into that, verse 32, um, the author of Hebrews starts like this. Remember the earlier days when after you had been enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with sufferings. And so right off the bat, the, the author of Hebrews is pointing out, hey, this isn't y'all's first rodeo. This isn't your first bout with suffering. In fact, this isn't your first bout with suffering as a Christian. In fact, this isn't your first bout with suffering. The last bout was actually with you being a new Christian. That phrase, after you had been enlightened, was more than likely meant to imply after you had just come to faith. And so he points them back to a season in time where they were working through suffering as new believers Fresh into the faith, and yet they were, they, they were struggling. And then he starts to tease from there. He starts to tease out how they worked through it. Going to verse 33 Sometimes you were publicly exposed to taunts and afflictions, and at other times you were companions of those who were treated that way. For you sympathized with the prisoners and accepted with joy uh, the confiscation of your possessions, because you know that you yourselves have a better and enduring possession. And so he starts teasing out and making sure they remember, hey, you remember you were treated like trash. You were ridiculed. You were looked down upon. Uh, You were treated poorly. You had friends that were treated poorly. And maybe most astonishing and maybe the reason for all of it is because you cared for fellow brothers and sisters in prison. Now, now build the context here and remember that prison back then was not the same as prison now. Okay, prison now you go. You have your cot, you have like your, your your cell. You got your three meals a day, all that stuff. Prison back then wasn't like that. Okay, no one promised you three meals a day, and no one promised you a bed. And so when you got thrown into prison, there was a very real possibility that if you had no one to look out for you, you might just starve to death, sitting there wasting away. Yet the Christians in this community, they went and, and, and decided to care for them, not as an act of charity, because back then, again, there was no kind of acts of charity like this. So when they went and cared for them, it displayed a couple of things to everyone that was around, that they had a close and, and personal association and relationship with this person. And if that person was in jail for being a Christian, which, which these people were, then it meant that they were probably also Christians. And so the very act of going and visiting someone, one of their brothers in jail, was an act that made them vulnerable and, and was dangerous. It was probably the, the, the actual cause for how they were ridiculed. It was probably the actual cause of the next verse, when he starts talking about how they uh, had their, their possessions confiscated. But it's right here that the author begins to tease out exactly how they were able to navigate through these hardships in the past. Because they knew back then, and hopefully they know now, that they had a possession and have a possession that's far more valuable, that's far more enduring than anything they could have lost. You see, the author is trying to point them backwards so that they can see the circumstances they were in and then see that hope. To see the, the, the possession that endures and provides hope for them then and now. Uh, that, that, that legitimately everything they lost uh, was, was small in comparison to the, the value that the possession that Jesus brought to their life then and that he still brings to their life now. And that's the first takeaway, friends. The first takeaway is man, how do we put Jesus at the center of our lives both now? Uh, in our suffering, and you know, moving forward, it's one of the ways is by looking back and looking for Jesus. Looking back and looking for Jesus in the midst of your suffering. When you look back in all that ugly, in all that, in all that pain, in all of that, man, we're given this this beautiful insight, especially looking backwards, to see that that thread of hope that actually pulled all of us through that pulled all of us through and that made everything work, that made it all right, that, that, that kept us going, that sustained us. We're able to see that when we look back and look for Jesus in the midst of what's happening back there. The beauty of recognizing the value of Jesus in that circumstance and looking back is that it helps you better see uh, the, the value of everything that is lost. Now, I don't want to be sensitive here. Because what 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 the author is saying is look back and remember that everything you lost is is small in comparison to the value of what you have in Jesus. But that doesn't mean the things that we we sometimes lose in our moments of uh, of hardship are small. Some of them are immensely valuable. Right. Right now, we're all in a season where we're a little bit worried about a variety of different things. Some of us are very concerned about our family members getting sick about um, people. uh, People. Losing or, or having this whole scenario impact their work, uh, I know some of us have had family celebrations we 've had to cancel or reschedule i mean there 's a ton that we 're actually working through uh, you know sh- you know all of us right we 're working through pushing launching refuge back we 're all working through something and yet The encouragement here is not that those things are are not worth anything. It's not that those things aren't valuable. Rather, the encouragement is look back, find Jesus, and realize that what you have in Jesus, the thing that can't be taken away, is more valuable than anything that anyone could take away. And the possession that you still have in Christ will sustain you more than any of those other things that you lost ever could. And so look back there, find Him, and see that what you still have, even now in the midst of your current hardship is the thing that will pull you through the rest of the way. And so, friends, that, that first takeaway, look back and look for Jesus. Yet, um, he doesn't stop there. He doesn't end there. In fact, he uses that, that, that means of looking back to point them to looking the opposite direction, to looking forward. Going to verse 35, he encourages them after encouraging them to look back encourages them after that verse 35, so don't throw away your confidence, which has a great reward, okay? The, the reason that great possession was so valuable back then, the reason it's valuable now, uh, it, it, aside from its, its, its momentary right now value, is that it has the promise for creating a future that's far better than anything you and I could ever build, Okay, the beauty of having Jesus is knowing that when we place our trust in Him, when we place our dependence, our confidence in Him, the trust builds a future through Him creating a future that is far better than anything we could ever imagine or build ourselves. That's the beauty of that confidence and trust in Jesus that He's pointing toward. Okay, like even now, I think about it, being very honest, man, like in my own heart, and I know in some of you all too, man, there is a longing for things to get back to normal. There's a longing for things to move past what's going on right now and get back to the way they were, get back to where we can spend time with our family, to where we can go out, we can go to, to, to dinner with friends, or we can go to the movies and do all those things. We're longing for things to get back to the way they were. Yet the author of Hebrews is telling us that if we can look and put our eyes toward the future, we'll realize that even that, even longing for the way things were before all this isolation business, man, is still like longing for a garbage uh, dump compared to the paradise that Christ is building for us in the hope we have in him for the future. So don't set your eyes simply on the circumstances of today. Don't set your eyes on the circumstances of of yesterday or even tomorrow, whether they be good or whether they be bad, but rather knowing the great possession that we have that endures till the end and fulfills the promise of creating a future that's far more beautiful, that's far more blessed, that has far more amazing than anything that we can build on our own here that's the beauty of holding on and, and looking to the future, which is that second takeaway, friends. Man, look back, look for Jesus. But likewise, man, friend, look forward and look for Jesus. Look forward and look for Jesus beyond just the circumstances of, of our day, beyond the circumstances even of our life. Friend, To grab onto, grab onto uh, the future and look for it and look for Jesus in it. Uh, That's that that second courage. And it doesn't stop there. right? It doesn't end there. Uh, The author of Hebrews makes it a point to let us know that when we look back and look for Jesus and when we look forward and look for Jesus, it provides a certain patience and it provides a certain hope now uh, that is critical. (coughs) Take a look at verse 36. For you need endurance. You could also translate that for because you need endurance, patience. Because you need patience, that's why you look back and look for Jesus. That's why you look forward to look for Jesus. When you find him in this thread of your life, not just not just seeing him back there, not just seeing him in the future, but knowing that there is a thread of his goodness that runs from way back there to way up there, uh, that guides you from from one to the next. Man, we get, we gain a patience for today. Uh, that, that allows us to settle down, which takes him to the end of his passage where he lets us know, hey, we are not those who draw back and are destroyed, but instead we see that thread of Jesus in our lives. We look back and we look for Jesus. We look forward and we look for Jesus. And we are those who have faith and are saved. Okay, so 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 man, friends, like, like legitimately, I love you. I desire right now in this season, even now with the, in the midst of all this stuff, my deepest desire is for you to experience the hope, joy, peace of God. Um, I firmly believe the author of Hebrews is telling us that the way that we gain that, the way we gain that is by placing Christ at the center of our lives. Uh, that we, we place him at the center of our hope. And a great way to do that is to look back and look for Jesus and to look forward and look for Jesus. Uh, Now, to close up, I'd love to give us a couple of practical ways we can do both those things. Okay, how we can practically look back and look for Jesus. This is a funny one, but, man, I would encourage you, uh, man, get a journal. I was trying to try to. No, I don't got one back here. Um, Get a journal. Write in it, right? Like, like. Like, even if it's just a little bit, I know it can get overwhelming to write a page and all that stuff, like, every day, but, man, even if you're just writing a little bit, write in it. The little stories you have there give you a front row seat uh, to seeing circumstances and scenarios where it seemed like hope was getting suffocated by darkness, but then to see that hope roar forward and overcome the darkness and push us and take us forward, man, that is a great way to look back and to look for Jesus, um, man, I look at journals, uh, and I don't journal well. Let me let you know, I don't journal well at all. They're sporadic, and they're short, and they're illegible, and sometimes not grammatically correct. What I'm getting at is that even in those little journal entries that I have kept, to be able to look back on stories with me and my wife in our dating time, our first year of marriage, look at some things that were kind of hard, right? To look back on moments where, where we experienced some, some real suffering, right? And in having friends uh, lose loved ones and losing loved ones. And when we experience that, we look back, we read that, we find Jesus, it gives us hope for right now, today, right now, okay? And so journaling is a great way to look back and look for Jesus. Uh, and a practical way to look forward and look for Jesus is, in all honesty, like, man, be thankful. Like, express gratitude, even if it's small and minute uh, in your eyes. Man, express gratitude to God for what he's doing and what he has done and what, maybe most importantly, what he will do. Okay, that act of saying, hey, thank you. Thank you for, for bringing me to where you brought me. God, thank you that today I'm alive. Lord, thank you that tomorrow will not look like today because of the hope I have in you. It declares and speaks to your heart this deep, deep reality that, hey, man, I have something better coming to me uh, than, than, than what I have here, what I have right now. Uh, it, it declares that hey, what I look see, what I look forward to, and what I see in the future uh, is is His doing, and I cling to the hope and trust I have in Him because of it. Uh, and so it's it's a beauty. And don't just stop there. You know, what? actually, don't just stop there. Don't just stop with yourself. Invite others into it, man. Invite uh, your. You know, we're doing community groups online, right? Through through uh, Google Hangouts, Zoom. Like, man, in that space, invite others into thanking God for with you. Uh, men, like, or thanking God for you, (coughs) Um, invite them into it because you do two things. You spur them to start thanking God, uh, but then they also keep you accountable for continuing to thank God. It sets the precedence in your relationship that in your relationship with whoever you're talking to, you thank God together. Uh, And that will always keep your attention looking forward to the future and looking for Jesus in it. And so friends, uh, man, I love you. I love you. I'm praying that this uh, touches our heart, that it stirs us toward deep affection for Jesus, uh, that it helps us navigate through our hardships that some of us are facing right now, that all of us are working through to some extent right now, and some maybe even more than others, but that we're navigating through them well uh, for God's glory and for our good. Uh, And so my prayer uh, is that you would take this and that you roll with it. And I'd love to close now just by praying for you, praying for me, praying for us, as a community, um, before we do, a couple of just last-minute announcements. One, uh, men, we're still doing community groups online, as I mentioned a second ago. Uh, reach out to your community group, shepherd. You can find uh, the community groups on our website. If you go there, you can find the contact information. Reach out to them, see, get the link so that you can get plugged in and, and maintain some of that uh, relationship. That, that quality time, that relational time that, that we're missing so badly right now. Uh, in addition, you know, we got things like Marco Polo. A bunch of people are using Marco Polo and Google and, and FaceTime to keep up with each other. And I love that. I want to say, God, I'm so proud of you. Man, thank you for doing that. You are doing an amazing job fighting for community and creating community while all this is going on. I just want to say thank you, man. You are doing awesome. Uh, I am so incredibly proud uh, of us for fighting, golly. So incredibly proud of us for fighting uh, for community in that way, and I just want to say, man, way to go! I love you so much, and I'm thankful for you. Uh, yeah, so in addition, we're going to be, as I mentioned, on this digital platform for the next few weeks, so be on the lookout for that. Uh, but other than that, that's about it. And so, what I want to love to do is just take a second to pray for us, close, uh, and then send you on your way uh, to, to fulfill the mission still of making disciples that that shape and transform our communities with the love of Jesus. That's still the send. That's still where we're going. That's still what we're going out to do. We just happen to be staying home and doing it now. Uh, And so utilize that technology to keep reaching out to people. Okay. Uh, Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your grace and for your mercy. Thank you, God, that you are King Almighty. Thank you, God, that when you are at the center, it, it, it allows us to navigate through hardships well, recognizing the hope we have in you for the past and for the future. But maybe even more so than that, God, uh, it allows us to, to be alleviated of the pressure and the ownership of those moments, surrendering them over to you for your glory and for our good. So I ask that you would, you would soften our hearts to that reality, that you would help us to surrender to that reality. Uh, that you would take your rightful place as the center of our lives, in our heart, in our mind. Uh, God, let us navigate through these things. Well, I pray for safety. I pray for health. Uh, I pray that we'll continue to navigate through all these things well as a community, not just looking out for each other, but in fact, actually extending the kingdom of God, expanding our own family by inviting those who um, don't know you into this family to experience the same hope both now and for forever that we get to have access to. I love you. I thank you. And I pray that we would go and make disciples of all nations. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope this message encourages you and strengthens your faith.